Welcome to Bellies, Babies, and Birth, the podcast for all things birth and pelvic health. You know what that means. There is no such thing as TMI on our podcast. We're going to speak truth and empower healing on all levels. And we're so excited to have you join us today. And we hope you're feeling uplifted and encouraged with this information. Uh, The best part about this is we're building community here in Phoenix by speaking to other birth workers and providers who are doing their thing and bringing healing to you in their own way. So join us as we dive in together. guys, it's Amy Vanderlinden here with Moment of Truth Physical Therapy, and we are back with Bellies, Babies, and Birth. Podcast really started out to um, inform women about a lot of things related to birth and health, but my bigger passion is um, building community, particularly here in the West Valley of Phoenix, and also just connecting with resources that really lift us up and can educate in multiple ways that are beneficial to families as a whole. And very few people are better connectors than today's guest, Julie LaCroix. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule to have a chat with us and share so much that you've got going on. Sure. Thank you for having me, Amy. It's always good to collaborate with you. Yeah, you're amazing. Julie wears several different hats and I'm going to let her chat about all of them. Um, But why don't you just, well, I'll share how we met. Um, When, when did you move here? Like spring of. I moved here. Yeah. Basically in COVID. So March of 2020. And I didn't, I just kind of sat in my house for a year. So I started circulating around town in about February of 2021. And that's when I, I think first met you. Yeah. I was going to say March of 2021. So. Yeah. Two years almost. Wow. February, March. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we connected through some other women business owners and for five seconds, I knew more people in the Valley than Julie and helped point her in some directions. (laughs) And she quickly, um, launched right on past me, which is kind of the point and has an amazing North Peoria lifestyle magazine that is a lot more than just a magazine or a luxury publication. I'll let her share more about that. Um, But then she's also, I think for today's conversation, some really amazing things that she does in her coaching business that we're going to dive into. So I think you guys will get a lot of it, but yeah, just share a little bit about your hats and (laughs) what brought you to Arizona and who you are. Sure. All right. Well, gosh, thanks again for having me. Um, Hi, everybody. Uh, all you ladies out there learning about your bodies and your health and and your mental health, you know, keeping um, stability in the midst of parenting is not easy. Um, It takes um, vocation. It takes family support. It takes social support. It takes good eating habits. It takes um, good healthy habits. You have to have access to transportation and you have to have a glass of wine every now and then. Keep your sanity. So that I remember. Um, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology and had worked on Wall Street. So my career really started um, in my mid-30s after I had already had kind of chapter one. 
And um, with my business and economics training and my undergraduate degree in psychology, I realized that I wanted to be that therapist that the little kid in me had always wanted to be, but I didn't really want to help with marriages and relationships. And that was, I was a little more business-minded than that. And it felt a little too touchy-feely for me. Um, and I wasn't very confident that I'd be great at that or interested in that in a sustainable way. And so when I realized what I really wanted to do, um, it was like an instant hit. It was to combine the economics and business training with my background in psychology, advance my psychology training and get clinical training in, in career psychology and really work with adults um, to um, help them find that alignment that we all look for. Um, what is our purpose inside and where exactly does it fit in a position where I can get paid and add value to my community and my society and my industry? And so that's what I do. I've been in practice about 17 or 18 years. Um, I have a national practice. I work with adults of all ages and stages. Um, I understand the labor market and labor market economics inside and out. Um, it's not hard for me to navigate that big bowl of spaghetti and confusion that you guys wake up and go, oh my God, what's out there for me? Well, I can tell you what's out there for you. That's, it's fun. Um, so I'm very grateful for my time on Wall Street um, to give me that kind of economics grid, kind of understand how our how our economy is structured. Um, and uh, and it's it's a very um, meaningful way for me to produce money. I raise my family on my income. I put two kids in college. I try to keep my prices very competitive and attainable for as many people as possible. Um, and I know that I'm doing good in the world after I talk to every single client. I just got off the phone with a young um, girl in Hawaii. She's um, a freshman at the University of Hawaii working in animal science and marine science. And she doesn't know what she wants to do or where to start or anything. And, you know, it just put her needle right on the record, told her what organization she needed to go research and she would find her spot there. I told her about 10 other jobs that she didn't even know existed in marine science. And she's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much out there for me. So inspiring hope in others is something that I get the luxury of doing every single day. And it's not just hope without um, a path. I mean, I, I gave her a specific set of things to do that are going to lead her to that internship. Um, so it's a very um, practical path. And so when I go to bed at night, I lay my head on my pillow and my heart is full. I feel like I've given more than I take. And that's become really my mantra is, you know, if I need help, I'll ask for it. But I want to be sure that every person I'm interacting with is getting more than they're giving me. I, I just feel that my conscience needs that. I like to be the, the person in the room that went that extra bit for somebody. And it's not about like remembering someone's birthday and all that. It's not, I don't, I'm not a real fanfare kind of person, but you know, if somebody needs a little help, help with career or um, uh, somebody has a business question, you know, I'm gonna spend time with them and, and give them that. And that will come from some other place in, um, in, in my calendar that, that I could be working, but it's important to me that we give back, especially in nurturing personal relationships like ours, Amy. Um, when you do that, when I move so well, yeah, oh, you do that you. so well. I mean, one of our first meetings, 
we sat in what's now the family first midwifery office, but was Janet's office. Then mm-hmm. I think you'd come to see the space. And mm-hmm. next thing I know, you're like brainstorming with me and we've got paper out and you're writing squares mm-hmm. and like arrows and mapping out messaging in circles that overlap. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you do that so well. And then of course, since then with growing the magazine and even your mm-hmm. foray into city politics, like I've just watched you connect and connect and you don't just build bridges, Julie, like you literally build circles of relationships. Like it's more than just one person to one person. You create these like hives, almost little queen bee. Maybe that's what I'll start calling you. Um, (laughs) but you create these like hives of interconnected people. And it's been so powerful to watch, especially because you've done it with the magazine and then you've done it Mm -hmm. with Peoria city things. And then, yeah, I mean, it's no mystery to me that, that all comes from this background of your passion to educate and to connect. Like, even as I hear like matchmaking with even jobs and careers and giftings and, and callings. So yeah, I think you were starting to say what brought you to Arizona. Well, yeah. So no, but thank you for that. And, and, and it is, it is like matchmaking. Um, I guess in a sense, that's kind of what I do in career counseling is I take a person and, and kind of get them all glossed up, you know, defined, like this is what they this is their role. This is their industry. And here's their paperwork. This resume substantiates that, that candidate. Um, and then it's, a, it is about, about really kind of that narrow focus targeting from, from all that there is out there and finding that one intersection where, um, where, where they correlate, where they're in career alignment. And so for me to, um, connect a person in the community within, from one side of the community to another, circle in the community is like nothing. That's like eating cupcakes for me. It's just, so I see the grid, you know, um, when I moved here during COVID, it was because my parents had just moved here and, um, I came out to be with them when California shut down and I didn't know anybody. And after a year and COVID was lifting, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, if I just, my kids had left for college that within the last six months. And I just, was I'm not married. I didn't know a soul here. And I mean, my parents had asked me to stay permanently, which I was not expecting to do. And I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to need to um, make some friends. I've always wanted to start a magazine. Maybe I should think about starting a magazine. And God found a way for a magazine to find me out of the blue, that kind of ironically. And I jumped right at it. And I said, this is perfect. It's local. It's community. It's beautiful. It's not news. It's not coupons. It's not anything socially divisive. It's wholesome and and good news only. And, and it's a brand that I could, it, it has an image of something I could stand behind. So I launched the magazine in partnership with many inspiring women. Of course, Amy, you're one of them. And we featured you in the very first issue because of all of the um, hospitality and graciousness that you showed me to host me in the city and kind of help me learn about um, who's who and who do I need to know. So it's your network that really kicked me off. So I'll always be grateful to you for that. Um, the, The magazine became a way for me not just to make friends and meet people, but for me to see what the work that I do as a career counselor, see what that looks like in the real world. Like who are these people who I've helped in the past find that line of work. Now let me work with the business owners in that line of work. And so 
like when you and I sat down back in the spirit of giving more than you take, when, when you and I, you said, come talk to me about the magazine. Let's see. And I thought, do you want to advertise with me? Cause of course I'd want you as a client and I'm trying to launch a magazine. I need advertisers. And it was clear that at the time you weren't ready. You didn't have your, you didn't, you didn't have everything concepted and built. You had a lot of the, the infrastructure in place, but you weren't ready. And, and that was fine. So I'm not going to spend that time with you trying to convince you to be in the magazine. I'm certainly not going to turn my back on you and walk out. I have things in my skill set that you were asking questions about. I'm going to take that time and I'm going to give to you. And that investment of time and talent with somebody who appreciates it comes back and that has come back. And you and I have always included one another. And, and have you done anything directly for me? Have I done anything directly for you? I don't really know, but the indirect, the value of being in each other's peripheral indirect groups is, is really a lot. And, and it's worth investing in because someday it is going to pay off for us financially, as well as from just knowing that we're, we're two business owners, two female business owners, um, you know, support supporting one another. And sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, when you've had three advertisers cancel on you, you need a friend like Amy Vanderlinden to say, what the heck is going on? Like, am I doing, some, doing something wrong? So I, full I, moon. That's what's I, going on? Yeah. I know what the heck, but, um, but it's a fun way. So I, I, the way I kind of lay out my foundation. And again, I feel very blessed. I've worked really hard to, to build it this way, but I was, I'm blessed because it was able, it was buildable. And, um, my, you know, so I have my hyper local, um, independent, like community engagement, which is my magazine. And then I'm on a lot of committees, committees. I'm on a committee at the city. I've been on a couple of them. I'm on a few committees regionally here in the West Valley now, which I'm very proud of. I'm in leadership West, which is a two-year program, um, relationship building in the West Valley, learning about all the different issues, water, public safety, infrastructure, um, government, and really understanding kind of how the West Valley came to be and what its future is. And so I'm meeting a lot of the key business and, and city leadership, as well as academic leaders. Um, and so I'm kind of understanding where, where the, the kingpins are, you know, what, how do you really make things happen in the West Valley? So from, from community, like neighborhood magazine kind of thing to kind of the regional to now like hyper, like big regional, like, like really like what's happening in the West Valley. And then to have my career counseling practice as my national focus to kind of help me kind of see things as a historian, you know, they kind of look in at, in close focus at something, and then they have to step out and look at the whole perspective. So I can really see where the drivers are. I, I'm an economics nerd. I love, I love economics. I love to know what's going to happen, where the opportunities are. I love to help people try to get in front of those opportunities. That's always been something I've just, to me, it feels like, um, um, like I imagine like what it feels like when you're, when a man is hunting, you know, you creep around and you look at a little critter all day long and you just take that one shot and you get them. And they just like, oh, that hunt of that kill. When I help someone get in front of the way of progress, I'm happy. I just made their month or I just got them in a place where they're going to be successful, that where they're going to earn. And most importantly, um, that doesn't come from a place of wanting to make money for me or for my client as much as it is closing America's skills gap. Because many, 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 many Americans as individual people are underperforming, underpaid, underutilized, undervalued, underrecognized, underemployed. 
and they just don't know. They know they're underemployed, but they don't know where to go assess their potential and then work in a way that allows them to meet their potential. And when you have parity at potential and output with an individual, you have closed that individual's skills gap. And, and I have done something to strengthen America. We have a multi-trillion dollar deficit in GDP because, or gap in GDP, because we have a skills gap. And that skills gap starts with me and you, Amy. It starts with your sister, your brother, your cousin, your neighbor, the person who works next to you. If they're not defining their full potential and working to their full potential, they're contributing to America's problem. I'm a huge American. I love my country so much. So that's my why. You know, why do you do what you do? I'm closing America's skills gap. I'm doing the best I possibly can. I want people to make money and I want, you know, Americans to have freedom and all of that too. But it's really for me, it's about strengthening my country by by serving in a way that closes that skills gap, that hidden liability that we have facing us every single day that people don't talk about very much. And I don't they think don't know it's... how to yeah, well, and I don't even think it's as hidden as it used to be. I mean, of course, right. I'm uh, in the business world, so I'm around other business owners, maybe discussing these things more than just the average dinner table. But I think, right. too, one thing that the pandemic did was shook that tree for everything it was worth. And yes, whether it was that people were fed up with what their employers did or how they handled the pandemic or whether it was because they suddenly realized something that was important to them. And so their priorities changed or whether yes. um, a family member's illness or something necessitated a move and that shook the whole situation for them. I think that, um, and, and my business coach talks about this a lot too, that the skills gap is very huge and like you said, if people don't shift up to their potential, then there's a gap up here, right? But then if they shift up, then there's a gap down here. And so it's like, as our youth are coming out of high school and coming out of college, and I know a lot of people are talking about the trades and the lack of um, the, you know, if you want to call them this still, the blue collar positions and the skilled tradesmen mm -hmm. and all of that work for growth and like all the pieces in the puzzle are necessary, right? Like all the parts of the body are necessary. And so mm -hmm. um, I think we're definitely seeing some really big shakedowns of all of that. And I'm super grateful that you're not only aware of it on top of latest trends, but also working to match these people up, working to inspire mm -hmm. and encourage. If so, of course, most of my audience is women and mm -hmm. I've definitely seen amongst the 30 to 45 year old population, a major shift. Some of them, their kids are back in school and they want to work again and aren't sure where to start. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. at, or also, I think the other big demographic is people that had some concerns and issues with how things went and a lot more women, especially here in Arizona, are homeschooling. So that changes their work options. Right. Right. Do you have any practical tips you would give either of those people groups Absolutely. The return to work mom segment is one of my favorite demographics to work with. Um, they're scared and they're okay. And I love to get them from a place of scared to a place of I'm okay. And I cannot tell you how many employers over the years have come to me and said, we need a, a return to mom workforce. We need somebody 20 hours a week with a lot of talent. Corporate America knows that there is a lot of talent sitting on the bench 
in um, return to work moms or moms who are homeschooling and have 10 to 20 or 30 hours a week, um, do not be afraid. If you are a return to, if you've been out of the workforce four, five, six, seven years, whatever it is, or if you, um, you know, quit your job in COVID to homeschool and you want to go back part-time, you've got to go for it. You've got to be aggressive in applying, meaning just apply vigorously, apply, apply to 50 places and get your resume together in a way that makes you feel confident that you could walk in and do that job. Bundle up your skill sets, write a sharp resume, send it into 50 companies, and you're going to get three to seven interviews. That's how the numbers work. Um, well, things when have I been so rough. Care. I mean, this is on more of an entry-level situation, but even entry-level to basic manager, getting people to show up for interviews has been significantly challenging uh, for sure across the mark, like PT and healthcare marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know, again, my business group is all over the country and the world, but even throughout the U.S., just getting people to do what they say they're going to do on that basic entry level. So like you said, you put a sharp resume together, you show up and you're already ahead of a big chunk of who's out there. Yeah, right. And, you know, that's a different perspective. That's that's the perspective of the hiring manager. Yeah, the, the employee, employer. And that's yeah. a tough one. Yeah, because, you know, the demand is so high and it is a numbers game for you guys too. One out of every one candidate is not going to be a right candidate. And just like on the candidate side, they have to apply to 10 to 15 jobs roughly. And this is not for everybody's numbers. Everybody has a different ratio of how many applications to interviews, depending on what field you're going into. But in general, in a in a strong market like we're in, um, use roughly 10 to every 10 to 15 applications. That's why in general, I tell people 50 applications will yield you three to five job interviews. And from there, you'll be able to receive a job offer that you'll like. So those are generally the numbers. Don't, don't take me to court on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so just like it's a numbers game on the candidate side, it, it needs to be seen as a numbers game on the employer side as well. And yeah, I definitely don't like, I definitely don't want the conversation to be like employers versus employees and who, because mm -hmm. I know on the employee side That's as frustrating. well, there's tons of job postings that they act like they're hiring, but they can't get calls back from hiring managers or they're hiring for lots of positions and the business doesn't even have a hiring manager to interview. And so there's just so right. many, um, yes, which is and like holes in the bucket, um, for yeah. the process, that's just making it harder for everyone. But um, what are some other tips? I love what you said, because I do think some of the things that shook out and that corporate America in general is realizing, all employers are realizing is that things don't have to look like they used to um, and right. that it can still be really successful and even more successful. And yeah, part-time employees um, can sometimes be even more efficient and more effective yes. and not so drained and not so burnt out. And they feel like they have more balance. And that can definitely be a pain point for moms um, is right. not feeling like, you know, they're at work and they feel like they should be with their kids and they're with their kids and mm -hmm. they kind of want to be at work and, or feel like they need to do their work. And so, yeah, having, um, there's more options out there. And I agree with you, ask for what you want ask for what you need, see if you can find a common ground. What, what do you think of the advice to 
have your non-negotiables going in, but then letting everything else be somewhat fluid so that you know what you can compromise on without compromising your non-negotiables. That language that's a great you question. Use, what would you yeah. share about that? That's not the language I use, but that's a great question. The language I use is more along the lines of, I tell my clients to use the 80-20 rule. Um, if you like 80% of the work you're being hired for and you're getting paid within 80% of what you're worth and you have you like 80% of the people you work with, you're in a good spot. That's what I tell people, 80-20 rule. I use the 80-20 rule, but for different things, but that's great, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. you know me and, and my thing with personality tests and Enneagram and stuff like that. And I always tell people too, like as a boss, I don't even like that word, but as a boss, a manager, a leader, or whatever, an owner, um, we try to have at least 70% of like, there's always going to be tasks. Like I don't love doing client paperwork. Right. Like, and I certainly don't love anything tech or spreadsheet related, but there's parts of that, that I have to do. But we try to fit people in a role that's going to be 70% wired towards what they're good at and what they're wired, excuse mm -hmm. me, wired for. And 30-ish percent that maybe not so much, not that they're going to hate, because I agree with the 80-20, but um, that, you know, are just the tasks that sometimes feel mundane yeah. or that aren't your favorite. Like, you know, mm -hmm. my front desk staff cleaning is part of it. I'm sure that's not their favorite, although they... They both have said that sometimes those are the tasks they do when their brain just can't anymore. And so it's nice. They'll put an AirPod in and they'll go do their cleaning or fold the laundry and stuff and get a chance to give their brain a break. Um, mm -hmm. Or if they get a... So we're saying the same thing. That's the 80-20 yeah. rule. Yeah. And that's yeah. fair. I'm done. I'm done peopling moments. <laughs> I go fold <laughs> some sheets. Um, so yeah, I think that's important for people to look at. And that's a good, I mean some of these that, yeah, they're just like hundred percent. Like, this is what I need. This is what I deserve. It's like, mm, can we have a conversation about it? Um, all right. So you obviously coach more on the employee side. So as an employer, I do some corporate work, but yeah, yeah. Well, I there's some other business owners, um, that are colleagues of mine that could likely be listening to this as business owners, what, what other tips or things would you tell us in the current economy? In terms of finding good candidates? Yeah, or, or even just our hiring or process or, yeah, any of it. Well, employee retention uh, should be everybody's focus right now. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to pay out of bracket, but I would pay at the top of the bracket. Um, I would also... Um, if there is a conflict, um, I would, I would resolve that with open-ended questions to make sure there's not something else going on to really unearth the information that is bothering that employee or preventing them from the performance expectation, meeting the performance expectations. Um, you want to be very reasonable, but you, at the same time, you want to give clear guidance and clear boundaries. I just did a coaching session with a work group who um, they got one, it was a group of three women, they became four and they were losing one. So they were three women who became three other women. Two were, they're losing one skill set, gaining a different skill set and retaining the, these two skill sets. And they weren't really sure 
how the interpersonal dynamics, there was a little bit of, you know, storming and forming and all of that. So I worked through that and by peeling apart their different personality styles and, and work styles and, and communication styles and their temperaments, which also go along with their skill, their natural skill sets. And so we talked about how to communicate with one another, given what their strengths are. And then we're going to go in and we're going to basically have them each create a list of the 10 work activities they're responsible for. And we're going to have 30 different work activities. And we're going to reorganize all of those into three different um, job descriptions that, that, that speak to their strengths. And, and what you're going to do there is you're going to get a higher performance output out of your team and you're going to get a lot more satisfaction when people are swimming in water that's running downstream they're a lot happier and more relaxed than trying to swim upstream or across the river and so you you really 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 want to try to reorganize your your work group if you can if you have the flexibility to do that to um, reflect the natural aptitudes of your workforce if you have five people on your staff and they're all planners that's not going to get you much. You need to have a creative person, a planner, and an executor, somebody to do the administration itself, someone, the taskmaster. You have to have the, the abstract creative vision at the top. You've got to have someone to put the plan together. You've got, got to have someone who loves to execute it. Um, there are people out there who love administrative work. A lot of people, I tell people administrative skills are like bartending skills. Everyone needs them all the time. They're the most in high demand skill sets, whether it's contracts administration um, or office organization, office management, office administration, technology administration, process and procedures, um, HR administration, writing, you know, um, employee handbooks and, and organizing benefits, any kind of administration of any kind greases a business wheel. And so you want to always have a strong administrator on your team. You always want to have a strong planner, somebody who's really good at taking a creative vision and breaking it down into, into steps and priorities, someone who can resource manage that, resource the time, the people, the money, and the materials around getting that, that done. And then you have to give that person the vision. So you have to have someone like you or someone beneath you who has the idea of what needs to happen to give it some structure. Otherwise, people like you and me who are just full of ideas all the time, it, it it's hard to get those ideas into action. So you need to have, you know, complementary skill sets working alongside one another to pull something from out of the sky into action. And so even at the smallest working group of three can be extremely productive if you if you hire from those three different areas. So those that would be my advice for like a micro business. That's super helpful. Yeah. I mean, we're at five employees, then of course a bunch of contractors, especially with all the yoga instructors uh -huh. but and massage. But um so you need client service scheduling yeah. and then programs. Cause you guys do a lot of programs. So you need marketing and management of those programs. Yep. So for corporate situations or even micro businesses, when you're stepping into that, like that sounds brilliant, how you are helping these women like reorganize job tasks and roles and based on skill sets, are there any particular skill assessment tools you love using the disc strengths finders, any of those that you're a big fan of? Yeah, I've recently learned, I've never really ever liked those ever. I, I, I've i never subscribed to them as a career counselor. Some career counselors do like a Myers-Briggs or a Finders, but they're just not um, valuable data. 
they're all of those tests are at least not in my opinion they are for some people but um in terms of helping you find your career path i don't find them useful i find good old fashioned the application of good old fashioned career theory as the only useful tool now a myers briggs can indicate maybe this direction or that direction but what most of those tests are really good for, um, because they do have value, just not in really my part of, I'm before they work. I work with people before they go to work or when they're confused about where to go next to work, what to do next in their career path. I'm well, that makes working sense. with people. Yeah. I was thinking so more I, in like the example you gave with in the, the office. Women. Yeah. Right. In the office, what that's, those are people already working. So that's where those assessments. So I just wanted to be really clear that yeah, no, perfect. I, I don't subscribe to people using those assessments to try to figure out what they should do for a job. That's just not going to help you. It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't even know how to, it just doesn't quite fit. It's not the right layer of the, yeah. of the process. But if you are an employer and you're trying to um, do some kind of professional development to bring up the morale or the closeness or the cooperation um, or just the positivity and the culture of your team. Um, I have I've never liked these things, but recently I've come across this thing called colors and it's so simple and it's so obvious and it is so right. I mean, it's a, gives your, gives your employee base a common, a common language. It's a playful language too. You could say, Oh, you're being so blue right now. Yeah. I mean, I've had so many people say to me, you're being, you're acting very green all of a sudden. You just went from blue to green. And I think it's so funny. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that again. And, you know, because I'm very strong blue and I'm very strong green, which means I'm a connector and a warm people person. And I see the, um, the, the empathic side of things. I can understand um, where people are coming from and why. But I'm also a thinker. Like I'm a dork. I'm a geek. I like the to nerd out on career theory. I think it's, fascinating. I like to geek out on economic data. I like to, you know, if you give me, obviously I like talking about my career because I can, I can tell you every little thing about career counseling, or we can break down a resume to like minuscule things. And I put, there's a reason I put every thing on a resume that I do. Like I could panel on it for hours. That's the green, you know? So, and then, you know, a, a, a gold, those are the planner people. And then you have your ideas, people or your orange people. And so um, it's a really, really fun assessment uh, instrument to use in understanding one another and then communicating with one another. You know, if somebody said, Julie, I need you to put your blue hat. I need you to go to a meeting and represent the company, but I need you to put on your blue hat. I know you're blue and green mixed, but I need you to be blue. I don't need you to be green. I just don't talk about, it. I just need you to go out and build relationships and bring it in. And, and, and so like for my magazine, I'm a blue, I, I activate my blue side in my career counseling. I'm not blue at all. Hi, how are you? Did you find a parking spot? Great. Sit down. Let's talk about your career. That's about the end of the nice, the nice small talk. I'm there to work. I'm there to solve that Rubik's cube puzzle for someone. And that's very, very green. So I like the colors. One of the, um, collab culture presenters last month talked a lot about that. Um, I was like, where was I just discussing this? But it was at the collab culture gathering. Yes. Speaking of amazing business women, but um, great. That's yes. a fun little tip for people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we could talk about all this stuff all day, but let's mm -hmm. start wrapping up. What are last question before we get into more about you, what mm -hmm. are three tips you would tell people about their resume? I'm sure you have 38, but what are your top three tips of do's or don'ts for a resume? Um, okay. 
um, write your resume from the inside out. Don't write it from the outside in. Don't make it look like a job description. Write it based on your natural strengths. So if you are an administrative person and you want to go into marketing, write your resume in a way that substantiates your candidacy for marketing. It's okay if you were an executive assistant or an office manager or an office administrator or something like that, but you did some marketing stuff in that role. So write your resume reflecting that, and that will help substantiate your candidacy. Do not feel like you have to write exactly what you did on your resume. Give them the facet of your diamond that you want them to see. Perfect. So, and, and keep it simple. Let's keep it short and simple. Those would be my three tips. That's great. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm just making a few notes. We'll Less include some of this more. stuff in the show notes, you guys, but um, definitely listen back to this, take your own notes, get all these gems from Julie. Um, I think the main thing I want you to still share is mm -hmm. do you like your ideal client, how you prefer to work with people? Do you do like one-off interviews for career counseling where you review resumes or cover letters and sort of point them in a direction. Uh, I'm sure you probably would do that, but, or is your preference like more of an extended consulting? How, what, how do you like to structure your interactions? Okay. So I usually work with people twice. Um, we do one hour of an intake session, um, which is where they're going to get the bulk of my my training. In that hour, I will get them dialed into a career path. And I know a lot of people are like, you can't do that in an hour. I do in one hour what I used to do in six weeks. So I do not like extended engagements with people. Um, it's not necessary. We we find what you're looking for. We we find that that missing piece that brings the whole picture together and dials that person right into a career traje trajectory. Usually I would say with 80% of my clients, I can do that in one session nowadays. Um, sometimes people need a follow-up appointment before we jump to a resume session. And in that follow-up appointment, we would review you know, some ideas that maybe, because we always come up with a hypothesis of what their career trajectory sh should be but sometimes people are either so new to career, they're maybe college grads, haven't been out a lot, don't really know, didn't take a lot of internships, haven't had a lot of interest, they just don't really know. So there's a lot of career education. So I'll give them like some homework to explore a few paths and then we'll do some narrowing before we get into really kind of selecting a career path. Um, so maybe clients who need a little more information need to move a little bit slower, um, might need a session or even two in between. But for the most part, I work with people once in a career counseling session, we do the intake session, we dial in your career path, your role in industry. And then they, the next week they follow up with me and uh, we write the resume. I don't review existing resumes. I don't fix exist, existing resumes and just do a little touch up. I take what you have and we clean sheet it and we start from scratch and we build it to substantiate your candidacy for that um, role in industry. Awesome. Well, I'm so grateful. It's so funny. My daughter's very frustrated right now. She's a high school senior and she's having to write a cover letter for a job she doesn't even want. <laughs> I'm like, Taylor, just enjoy the practice of writing a cover letter. It is a skill you will need. I was like, who cares if you don't want the job? Like you're not actually getting a job anyway. Like just, she's funny, but she's very literal. Well, actually cover letters, Cover letters are almost gone. I do see them still in, in faculty jobs. I see them in nonprofit leadership. But other than that, I don't, or, you know, any kind of marketing or copywriting or scientific technical writing, I'll see, because they want a, a writing sample or, or to see how you write. But for the most part, since COVID, 
Um, and I was one of the last hangers on to, to cover letters, but they're really not around very much anymore. So tell Taylor just to get her A on the paper and don't worry about it. All right. Well, I'm not going to tell her that until after next week, because if I gave her any wiggle room to think it wasn't important. She, <laughs> she, she sounds like funny. my daughter, a shortcut. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I don't even need this anyway. Um, well, thank you so much, Julie. This is, yeah. oh gosh, there was just a zillion brilliant nuggets in all of that. And oh, thank you. Um, where is else? So interesting. Yeah. Where can people connect with you? Um, if they want to know more, if they want to get some career counseling, if they're sure. um, looking for anything, what's the best Lost. way? Best way to get me is on my website, julielacroix.com. And if you go to my services page, um, there's an FAQs page, everything you need to know about me, my background, how I work. Um, it's pretty straightforward. If you go to my services page, you can fill out my intake forms and shoot me an email on my contact page and schedule an appointment and for under a thousand dollars. And within one week, you will be on your way to a career that's going to light your fire. Amazing. And what if they want to connect with you related to the magazine? Know more about that. Um, start subscribing or possibly advertise or get involved with that. Yep. You can go to the, um, the website for the magazine. Anybody who's looking to um, reach uh, affluent readers on the Upper West Side of the Northwest Valley in the greater Phoenix area, Peoria, Surprise, Glendale, Phoenix. Um, it's citylifestyle.com forward slash North Peoria. And from there, you can email me. You can subscribe to a digital copy. If you'd rather get a physical copy, you can just email me and say, hey, Julie, add me to your list. Here's my mailing address. Um, if you want to take out an ad, you can say, Hey, Julie, you know, call me, let's talk about ads. Um, and anybody who advertises with me gets to participate in all the different layers of the editorial. So we feature articles on you and events you're doing and pictures of parties you've had or hosted or, um, community nonprofit work that you're engaged in, um, an events calendar for, if you have an open house or something like that, you know, we would put that in. So, um, it's really a fun platform. I love being a part of it. Yeah, there's amazing resources in there, you guys. Definitely not your average magazine. We have a ton of issues in the lobby. If you ever want to come check them out, we have them Aww. here at Moment of Truth Healing yes. Space. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Julie. I really appreciate it. Any last well, words Amy, you want to say? Fun. Well, no, I just, I really want to thank you for the work that you do. You are um, someone who, like me, has invested a lot of time and money and energy in training to be excellent at what you do. And um, I know what an amazing practitioner you are and how deep your heart is for doing good work for women who um, are, you know, going through the birth process and recovery process. I know that I learned from you, the birth process doesn't end at birth. Um, so I no longer say that it does not um, even close and not even close. No. And so, you know, I just, I just want all the listeners to know that if you haven't had a chance to reach out to Amy and get your feet in her space, if you're ever in Peoria, it's worth coming just to, oh, it's always so relaxing, just walking in there. So thank you for, well, and you guys just got another glimpse of why I think Julie's so amazing. I give her her last few minutes to say something and all she does is go on and on about me. She is an absolute gift and a gem, and I'm grateful for you, ma'am. You guys stay tuned for our next episode of Belly's gotcha. Babies and Birth. Share it out, um, subscribe, listen, all the things you know, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Bellies, Babies, and Birth. We hope you enjoyed this content. Um, please join us over at momentoftruthpt.com where you can learn more about our physical therapy services focused on pelvic health for both men and women. We do all things pregnancy and postpartum as well as treat babies. You can also connect with us on our YouTube channel with Moment of Truth Physical Therapy. We really try to put out a lot of good educational and helpful content for you guys. That being said, connect with us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and make sure you reply or send us a message. We'd love to know what topics you'd like to hear more about. Talk to you next time.